Hey, sweet friends, this is Andrea, and I'm your host for Inspire on the Go. I'm excited about the chance to talk about life, ministry, and our relationship with Jesus. I can't wait to see what God has in store. So grab a cup of coffee and join the conversation. Hey, everybody. Hope that you're doing really well. I so enjoy spending this time with you, and today we're going to do something completely different. I'm just going to jump right in because I'm not quite sure how long it will take. Um, As you know, we're in the middle of looking at Jesus. Uh, We're looking at his life and his ministry and just the way that he radically changes our life. He changes the direction of our lives. Um, Like a full, free, abundant life is only available through Christ. And, you know, Jesus said that he has come to give life and that ultimately life is expressed through him. And so uh, we want to make sure, and that's the purpose of today, we want to make sure that we're really understanding this call to this full, free, vibrant life that's full of joy and satisfaction and how that can only really be achieved through a surrendered life to Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to share my story with you because so much of my story ties into what we've been looking at this week. And I trust that your story ties into it as well. And maybe you're not quite sure how it fits in, but hopefully by the end of the day, um, you'll have maybe a new way of looking at your own story. So let me go back and I'm, I'm just going to tell you the big story, um, kind of in big picture form, and then we'll make some applications at the end. I've shared a lot of these details with you, but I want to fill in. So I was born March 11th, 1976, um, and I was placed up for adoption. I do not know my um, biological mother or father, nor do I know any details about my life, um, how I was conceived, um, any details about any of that. And so what I do know is that God in his goodness and grace um, placed me in the right family at the right time for his right purposes. And so about five days after I was born, my parents, James and Sandra Morris, picked me up um, at a hospital in Searcy, Arkansas, and took me home to Paris, Arkansas. Uh, We had an instant family. Um, They had adopted my older brother, Jason, uh, who is two years older than me, and then my mom was expecting my younger sister, Shannon, who was born seven short months after um, I was adopted. And so we had just an instant family in a lot of ways. And so I was raised in a wonderful Christian home. Um, my parents took us to church and um, it was more than just something that we did on a Sunday morning. It was very much a part of our life. Like they raised us to know God and to love God and to serve God. And um, they put us in the right places um, for us to experience that grace of, of Jesus. And I received Christ at an early age. I was six years old um, when I was at a revival at, at First Baptist Church in Paris, Arkansas. And it was kids night, uh, Tuesday night. And I remember the food. Of course, I'm a foodie. So hot dogs, great value chips, red Kool-Aid, um, Oreo cookies, I'm sure. And this gospel message of love that God loved me and that he had a plan for my life and that Jesus died for me and that um, and that I could have a relationship with God as I trusted Jesus. It was just really simple, a really simple message, a, a gospel message. And I remember when the evangelist, um, the person who was there to preach the gospel, gave the invitation at the end of the service, I was one of the first ones down at the 
the aisle. I was not looking back. I wasn't asking permission. I was just heading down that aisle. And um, I was not the, the only one that night. Um, I can't remember all the details, but I believe that I know several of our friends received Christ that night. And I'm not sure if Shannon and Jason, my brother and sister, did that night or just really soon thereafter. But just a few months later, my brother, sister, mom, and I were all baptized on the same night. And I, I just remember that wonderful night um, that was just so meaningful as I watched my brother be baptized, my mom be baptized, my sister, and then I was baptized. And as a little six or seven-year-old girl, man, I had tears streaming down my face. I just thought, this is beautiful. I just knew that even as a young girl, I just had such an appreciation for the love of God and the family of God specifically. And so um, with that being said, I also, even at an early age, started to experience some hardships or some trials in that I just had a, a feeling of loneliness um, that has kind of just um, followed me all the way through my life in many ways. And it's so much better now than it used to be. But even from an early age, I just sensed that. Um, while I sensed the love of God and the love of my family and, you know, people around me who were just precious and dear, I also just had an ache in my soul that is hard to explain to you. Um, it just was there. It was just always there. Uh, and it, it manifested itself in different places and in different ways that were now, as I look back, a little bit abnormal. Like I never wanted to be away from my parents. Sleepovers were hard. Going to school was hard. It was just, you know, it was just really challenging for me uh, as I look back and think about that season of my life. But at the same time, I think if you talk to my parents or any of my school teachers or friends, there was also a side of me that was very bubbly and that was very outgoing and always very in tune with other people and their needs. And so um, I don't have time to go into all that, but the, my book, God in the Window, goes into a lot of details about that. So anyway, uh, one Sunday night, I was at church. We were at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Like We were just very active members of our church. And um, so I was there one Sunday night, and I was listening to the pastor preach on John chapter 15, which is the passage we looked at yesterday. And he talked about the pruning nature of God and how God cuts away things that aren't productive um, or even allows things that are difficult sometimes in order for us to grow in our faith. And as a little eight-year-old girl, I remember thinking, I, I'm being pruned. Like, I remember that very vividly. And um, it was not an easy concept for me to understand, but yet one that, that I did accept in that moment. And at the end of that service, I remember praying as a little eight-year-old girl, three words, and it was, Lord, prune me. Like, if that is a good process, and if that is a needed process in a believer's life, then do that. I want you to do that to me. Um, and so, it was just simple childlike faith, and then I moved on with life, and uh, different things, different times I remember as poignant moments in my life. One was um, actually when I was in the garden with my granddad, uh, which I can't think about John 15 and not think about this story, but I was in the garden with my granddad. My granddad um, loved to garden, and he had a, a large garden uh, in his yard, and I would help him in the garden, and one day we were tilling the ground, and so my granddad was going back and forth 
forth, back and forth with the tiller in the garden. And I was following along after him and I was carrying some tomato juice so that granddad could have a drink or I could have a drink of the tomato juice whenever we were thirsty on this hot summer day in Arkansas. And so um, I got bored and I just let my granddad get a little bit ahead of me. And I decided to make a game out of that tilling experience where I would just put my little bitty shoe print inside of granddad's very big defined boot print so that I was literally jumping from boot print to boot print to boot print. That was my game. And as I was doing that, I was thinking about my relationship with God. And I was just a young girl, eight, nine, maybe 10 years old at the most. And I remember thinking, this is how I should follow Jesus. I should never get ahead of him. I should never get behind him. And my print should never be bigger than his print. And then I started singing the song, Footsteps of Jesus, that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where'er they go. And so God was putting the principle of John 15 in my life very early in my life, like pruning and abiding. Those two principles were just really strongly placed in my in my life at a very early age. My family ended up moving from Paris um, to Harrison, Arkansas. Um, my dad had a change of jobs and it, it landed us in Harrison. We got involved in the uh, local church there, First Baptist Church there. And I, um, I started like getting really into studying the Word of God and starting, you know, different Bible studies and Bible clubs, um, backyard Bible clubs, those kinds of things that, that were taking place there in Harrison. And so one thing that I did was I started a Bible study in the local um, junior high, the public school, and it was just like a kind of a little bit of a, a revival that happened right there in that particular setting where we started with like 10 or 12 people coming to Bible study. And then we had like 60 people and we had people who were getting saved. And I mean, it was just a kind of fan the flame kind of part of my um, walk with the Lord. I, I look back on that and, and God just taught me a lot of things. But something happened during that time that I wasn't mature enough to realize what was happening. And that was like, I really loved the attention that I received from being the spiritual girl, the church girl, the Jesus girl, you know? And so it was subtle how it happened, but slowly what I was doing for the Lord was really more about me than him. Again, I was immature, I was young, and I was trying to do my best, but I loved the attention that I got for being that Jesus girl. And so that that was a slippery slope for me, um, and it led me into more church-related activities. Um, as a young girl, I served on my first church committee probably at the age of 15 or 16, uh, if the church doors were open, I was there. If there was a Bible study, I was doing it. And this is where God is so gracious. He can take a bad motive and bring so much good out of it, and he can redeem it. Um, but when I was around 16 years old, I um, I wanted to join the women's Bible study that was taking place at my church. Um, the youth had a Bible study, but I kind of was you know, beyond that in my mind, I think. And I wanted to go deeper. And so my mom and I joined um, the women's Bible study at our church. And the women of the church were so receptive. They were so open. They were so 
gracious just to let us come in and for me specifically to be a part of that. And so from 16 to around 18 or 19, for about two to three years, I was involved in Bible studies, preset Bible studies um, at my local church where I sat every Tuesday at the table with godly women learning, studying the word. Um, so much good came out of that that I can even still appreciate to this day. But again, one thing I can look back and see is that I know so much of that was about finding a place to belong that was more about me than my relationship with God and also getting validation for how mature or spiritual or good I was. And so that was just um, something I look back on and I just know that was that's a part of my story. Like So when I was talking to you on the video yesterday about like sometimes our relationship can be more about religion than relationship and what we get out of it as opposed to just, you know, just passionately pursuing Christ for who he is and how he faithfully works. A lot of that's just stuff I've lived out and I've seen the negative side of religion and I've walked it and I've, I've, I've learned from it. So praise God from that, but I know it. I just know it. I know the Pharisee, Pharisaical life. I've, I've lived it. I've lived it from an early age. And so, um, so I can relate to that when I see it in scripture and when I, um, or when I'm talking to others who may be experiencing that as well. And when I slip back into it, I can feel that too. I can experience that. I know that. So anyway, um, one thing that was really hard for me as a child is that at an early age, I was diagnosed with severe dyslexia. So I couldn't read very well at all. And I sure couldn't comprehend what I read. And this is where I just love the intentionality of God to put us in the right place at the right time for his right purposes. Because my parents who adopted me are both educators and my mom, uh, was a remedial reading teacher, and they were able to get help for me at an early age, but it still was a very, very long journey. Uh, I don't remember a summer or, you know, really for a couple of summers there that I didn't take part in summer school. I took, um, you know, I had to go to Fort Smith to get special um, classes and lessons and testing, and then uh, I was in remedial classes for several years. So, Reading and writing and comprehension and all of that was not easy for me. And quite honestly, just something that I had very low expectations for myself as to what I could potentially do in the future. So when God called me to ministry the first time, and there's going to be several of these, but the first time I was around 17 years old, 16, 17 years old, and I was in that women's Bible study at First Baptist Church in Harrison, and I was watching Kay Arthur on the video screen, VHS tape, and I was taking notes, and I just sensed in my heart, not an audible voice, but I sensed in my heart that God was calling me to do what Kay was doing, which was teaching the Word of God. And I was like, I can't do that, you know, the dyslexia, plus I just, I, I didn't really want to give my life at that level, like I just had control issues, I wanted to be in control, I wanted to call the shots, and so um, so I just was like, I'm just running from that, I'm, I'm just acting like that didn't happen. So a couple of years later, the second time that God called, I was at another Sunday night church service, and um, my pastor at that time was preaching on surrendering 
to vocational ministry, to the call of, on vocational ministry, which is basically saying that ministry will be my profession or my job. And I had one of those experiences where I was like, I felt like I was the only one in the room and I did not like that. Like that, that was not good for me because here is what happens whenever you are the center of your spiritual relationship with God is that you're on the throne, not Jesus. And so when I was approaching graduation from high school, I was going to get back in control of my life because I had a wrong view of how my life started. I felt like my life started out of control instead of God being in control and sovereignly orchestrating the events of my life. So as I was approaching 18 and getting ready to graduate from high school, I thought I could get in control. So that desire to get into control um, led me to a place where I went from super spiritual, quote unquote, to not so spiritual. Jay and I got married and like we still went to church, but I didn't read the Bible. I didn't pray. My heart was not close to the Lord. I wanted to live the American dream. I wanted to have the house and the cars and the kids and the experiences. And like, I needed this status in order to be okay. And none of that really had anything to do with God, except for I just wanted him to bless it. And so I had a plan. It was a good plan in my opinion, by my estimation. If God could just make all that happen, then we could be good to go. I'd do my part, he'd do his part. I'd stay in my lane, he'd stay in his lane, and then we would be good to go. Um, but God doesn't work like that. And um, I was miserable, honestly. I was miserable. I thought, and I just wonder if anybody will relate to this at all. I always thought whatever the next thing was would fix what was ultimately going on inside of me. So whenever I was in high school and struggling, I thought the next step, which would be graduating and getting in control of my life would fix me. And when that didn't fix me, then I thought getting married would fix me. And then when getting married didn't fix me, I thought that having a child would fix me. And then when having a child didn't fix me, I just didn't know what to do. So at the at the bottom of it is this truth that is so redeeming and so encouraging. God will let us get to the end of ourselves, but every single step of the way, he's plotting our redemption. Every single step of the way. And so I know that because I've experienced that. I ran from the Lord. I wanted to be in control. I, I called the shots and every bit of it was empty. So Jay and I met and got married. I never told him about my call to ministry. Never told him about it. I never told him how I was running from the Lord. I never told him really about how deeply spiritual I was at one point in my life. I mean, we definitely knew I went to church. We met at church. His parents were my Sunday school teacher. I was not a outwardly rebellious person, but we really didn't talk about it. You know, we, we just didn't. And so I think both of us were probably just gonna chase the American dream and just be happy and hope that that worked out. And so we got married and um, we settled in Conway. And then uh, we had, we started having, we knew that we wanted to have a child and that didn't happen as quick as we thought. And so in the course of that time, we started looking for a church home and we ended up at Second Baptist Church in Conway. And what brought us to Second Baptist Church 
because we looked for a long time when we were here in Conway for the right church home um, for us. And what ultimately sealed the deal were the relationships and um, just the people because we we found a group of people or God led us to a group of people who would not let us go. Like they grabbed onto us and they would not let us go. And that led us to joining the church and joining the small group or the Bible study or Sunday school and then attending a Bible study. The women were having a Bible study and I, um, I went and I was like, oh, I remember when I used to do this. And then one of the ladies asked me to lead one week because she couldn't be there. And I mean, it was just like, whoosh. I mean, a flood of water to this dry, weary soul. And I left there going, Lord, where have you been? And just again, in his still small voice that is not audible, but very tangible, he reminded me that he wasn't the one who moved. And so we were just being drawn back in, drawn back in, drawn back in, drawn back in. And I ended up going to a Beckmore um, live event at the Pyramid in Memphis, Tennessee. And it was there that for the third time I experienced my call to ministry. And I was, um, I was, dis I was very in tune with what Jesus was doing at that point in our lives. Like I was very in tune with it. It's like Jay, he is Jay. God is doing something. And we need to be ready. And so I went to that Bethmore conference and she was talking about what if the heart changed. And she said, I'll rem I remember so much of what she said. She said that in the medical field, a, a pyramid, which is where we were, we were at the pyramid. She said the pyramid is a, a representation of change. And so like in the notations of a doctor or a nurse, if there's a pyramid, it means there's a change. And so... She's like, what if the heart changed? Like, what if our heart became totally changed and radically transformed? And I thought about that for me, and I thought, well, what if my heart really did change? And so in my type A driver self, I was like, Lord, change my heart. Like, just change my heart, you know? Tell me what I need to do for my heart to be changed. Um, I was still so young. And um, so I decided to, to write down everything everything that, that I needed to do for a changed heart. So I remember that Friday night writing down, start each day on your knees, end each day on your knees. And then I wrote down, look into seminary. Now, friends, I literally had never spoken the word seminary in my life. I didn't know anything about seminary. I didn't even know where a seminary was at, nor did I really know what a seminary was. I'm just being honest. Like it was not on my bucket list. It was not on my radar. And so when I looked at it, I was like, I can't, I cannot do that, Lord. Like, and I remember telling him in my heart, I am a girl. Like, I don't think girls do that. And um, I said, I'm a girl, I'm a wife, I'm a mom. Like I have all these things. And again, not audible, but in my heart, I just sensed the Lord saying, do you not think that I'm big enough to do all of that in your life? And so I committed in that moment to look into seminary. I had no desire and I had no plan to go whatsoever, but I would look into it. So I called Jay that night and I said, hey, I don't know how to tell you except just to say, God 
has told me to look into seminary, but I think we're okay because it says look, it doesn't say go. So long story short, very long story short, that was full of all kinds of just true moves of God. About six weeks six weeks later, later I was in my first seminary class um, at um, the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. So the Arkansas Baptist State Convention had a partnership with Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and they had an extension campus there and they flew their professors um, and had adjunct professors here in the state of Arkansas. And so you could go on Mondays all day long and over the course of a couple of years, get a master's degree. And so that's what I said I would do. Like that's what I, I ended up saying yes to. But on that very first day, friends, on that very first day, I was so overwhelmed because listen, I had not dealt with any of my junk. I hadn't dealt with any of the issues that were like what we talked about yesterday, pride, sin, shame, guilt, um, lack of awareness, all of those issues that were represented in the hard heart that we talked about yesterday. I had dealt with zero of them, zero of them. And so what I was really in the practice of doing was all that junk down below, I would just try to put good things on top of it. Just try to put good things on top of it. And I would try to stay so busy that I didn't have to look at the junk that was below the surface. And so all of that just started coming out of me that very first day of seminary. I, I was trying not to cry. I was trying not to run out of the room. I was so not ready. And I knew that I believed that God could never use a girl like me. Uh, not only the dyslexia and just the ongoing questions that, that came out of that, but also just the just the control issues that I was just plagued with. Like, how can I live a surrendered life and still be in control? Like, that was the question. How can I live with a heart full of love for God, but yet hold back because I'm not sure that I can trust Him? Like, that was where I was at. That that was it for me. Like, I want to be all in, but I'm terrified. I'm terrified to be all in. And so, um, so everything just came to a screeching halt that day. And I remember I was at the lunch break and um, I was trying so hard not to cry. So I was just going to walk around the building while the other guys enjoyed their lunch and talked ministry and talked shop and all that. And so I was walking around the Arkansas Baptist State Convention and I was looking at the pictures and I came to a picture that was very different than all the other pictures. It was a picture that was taken in 1986 uh, at the Billy Graham Crusade in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, the Arkansas Baptist State Convention and the Billy Graham uh, Crusade had joined together uh, to host this event for Arkansas. And I had been in attendance at that event. My mom had taken me to that because I wanted to hear Sandy Patty sing. And so I didn't really remember much about that day and I hadn't really thought much about that day. But when I saw that picture, I remembered being there. And the picture, which was hanging on the wall, and it was from the Billy Graham Crusade to the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. And it was just a thank you. It was a wide angle lens that had taken the picture where you could see about the 45,000 people who were in attendance and you could see Billy Graham in the middle of the stadium and he was preaching the gospel. So I reminisced about being there that day and all of this is happen happening simultaneously. As I'm looking at that picture, I am realizing that whoever took that picture was three rows behind me and my mom 
because it is a picture of me and my mom at the Billy Graham crusade 13 years earlier. And it's hanging outside the door of my seminary class at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. And I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm absolutely dumbfounded by the grace of God. I'm absolutely dumbfounded by it. Now, there's so much to tell, but one of the most challenging aspects of my birth account for me for many years was that I believed that most likely no one was in the window of the nursery window during those five days or so when I was at the hospital. Like that just broke my heart and it just made me feel lonely and sad and just it was just hard. It was just, it was so hard that when I had children, I got up out of bed and I walked down to the nursery window to look through the window to see them, to say, I see you and you're mine and, and I'm your mom and I'll always be here for you. And you've, you've got, you've got a friend in me kind of thing, you know? And so when I was looking at that picture, it was ministering to my deepest hurt and that I didn't even know, that I couldn't even put voice to. And my deepest hurt was that from the beginning, I wondered if I was alone, which that is why I struggled so much with loneliness under the surface, because there was a wrong belief that was planted by the enemy that became my truth. You see that? That's why we have to do this study, because we have truths that are planted in our life from the enemy that are lies that we've accepted as truth. So side note, total side note. So anyway, as I was looking at that picture, God was just speaking to the deepest hurt and he was like, I've been in the window every single moment of every single day. You've never been in alone and I am in control and I can take care of you. And so there was a lot that had to happen as the Lord was just encouraging me to truly trust him with my heart and to truly give up control of my life. Fast forward to about a year later from that moment. I knew that God was calling me to a women's ministry, to a speaking ministry, to a ministry where I would write and I would teach the word of God to women. Even though I felt like I couldn't do that because of my dyslexia, I knew, I knew it, I knew it. And I knew it so deeply that I was afraid to tell it to Jay um, because I didn't know what that would mean. It just seemed so wrong to just walk in one day and just tell him that. And so I just started praying, Lord, would you tell him that you're calling me to this kind of ministry and this kind of life? And one night Jay said, we're going to go out to dinner and I have something I have to tell you. And so I was like, okay, okay, what is it? And so we went to dinner, we ordered our food and he closed the menu and he looked at me and he goes, I have something I have to tell you and I don't know what you're going to think about it. And I'm like, what? What's going on? And he goes, Andrea, you are supposed to start a women's ministry and you're supposed to teach and you're supposed to travel and you're supposed to write. And he goes, I don't know what it's supposed to look like, but I know it. I know that that's what you're supposed to do and we've got to start planning. And so in that moment, my husband leading the way, we started putting together the small pieces of True Vine Ministry. I mean, just, I was blown away. Like you talk about a God who will take care of you and take care of your heart. And so in that process, I asked the Lord, just tell me a name for this ministry. 
you know, what is it going to be? And I was still so immature, friends, so, so immature. And I, I just kind of put a fleece out. Like, that's not spiritual in my opinion. Like, I don't think that we should be doing that. But I did. And I was like, if you'll give me a name, then I'll know it's real. Like, right? Still in that bartering with God. And you do your part and I'll do my part. And I'll stay in my lane. You stay in your lane. And so one day, just not long after that meeting with Jay and that dinner with Jay and um, just knowing that this was happening... I was reading John chapter 15, and I read verse 1, I am the true vine. And it was as if the Lord had just said, that's it, Andrea. This is true vine ministry. It was so clear. It was so, so clear. And I, um, I said, okay, whatever it's supposed to be. I don't know that I can, but I'll try. I'll try. And so um, it wasn't until a couple of years later, as I was doing the paperwork to apply for an LLC, which is another story altogether, um, that I remembered the prayer that I prayed when I was a little girl, eight years old, Lord prune me. And it was in that moment I put all of it together. It was that full circle moment that everything that had happened, every single step of the way, God was pruning so that whenever it came time to step into ministry, that it would be for the Father's glory and that it would result in fruit that really represented that nothing is impossible with God. Because I have to tell you, friends, when I stand in front of a group and read, it is a miracle of God. And whenever I write, like here's one book right here, like when I write a book, it's a miracle of God because that's something that in my strength, my resources, my ability, even to this day with the dyslexia, it's not possible. But with all, but with God, all things are possible. So I, I share that with you to say a couple of things. Number one, like why would we not give him our hearts? Like every bit of it. He is so worthy of praise and he is so good to take care of us. Why? Why would we hold back? That's my first question. Number two is, like, why would we be afraid of the pruning process? Like, why wouldn't we go all in on it? Because it is through that pruning process that is bathed in love that we're able to experience the plans that he has for us that are so much bigger than ours. Like, I was trying to control my life, and I was trying to stay in the safe, comfortable places because I thought I knew what was best. Yet, yet, God in his infinite wisdom and incredible ability was capturing a snapshot that represents everything of who he is and how he faithfully works. And he was putting it at my greatest point of need. And he was saying, let's move forward from here. Like, yes, Lord, prune us. Yes, Lord, prune us. And then the third thing, and this is where I'll finish, oh, to abide well, to abide in him, to dwell in him, because in him is the fullness of joy. That's what we see in John chapter 15, that it makes our joy complete as we love and as we remain and as we abide. So I share all that to just say we have a story and harnessed within that story is so much opportunity and so much potential for the glory of God. 
So I wanna challenge you to write your story. Write it down, go back and think about how God has been with you every single step of the way. He's been charting your story and every step of the way, you have the opportunity to see his hand at work in such a way that it takes the heart of stone and it transforms it into a heart of flesh. So in the comments below, I'd love to hear a little bit of your story. Maybe some of the struggles, maybe some of the trials, maybe some of the pain, maybe some of the joys, maybe some of the triumphs, maybe some of those poignant, stake in the ground kind of moments where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God met you there. Let's talk about our stories and let's celebrate them together. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. I hope today's episode helps you embrace the full, free, abundant life that God provides. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe to Inspire on the Go. If you would like more encouragement to help you grow in your faith, visit my website at andrealennonministry.org. Come back next time and enjoy another episode of Inspire on the Go.